Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. As promised at the end of last week's episode, this week we are going to start with football, and it might only be a football podcast this week. Um, Maybe I'll have a movie review at the end. I don't know, because I watched that movie, uh, The Devil All the Time, on uh, Netflix with Tom Holland, Holland, Sebastian Stan, uh, Robert Pattinson, and a couple other people. Uh, it was it was all right, you know, like nothing crazy. Thought it was gonna be better than it actually was, uh, but we might talk about that a little at the end. But we'll start with football, and we'll recap this week. It was a disastrous week two. Uh, injuries galore, big names going down, and uh, a lot of fans, including myself, are very unhappy with what transpired in week two. Um, I've never seen anything like it, honestly. But we're also going to look to the week ahead because we got Thursday Thursday night football tomorrow. Kind of a very bizarre game to put on Thursday night. But uh, actually, no, it actually makes perfect sense to put it on Thursday night. It's uh, Jacksonville and Miami. So we'll get to that and then some of the other, uh, if not all of the the week three matchups. But we'll start with the injuries. So these injuries racked up everywhere, man. It was very, very, very sad uh, to see all these all these guys go down. Um, the big the big game that went with all the injuries here was uh, the San Francisco 49ers against the Jets. The Niners had like three different guys go down against the Jets and Shanahan was complaining that the turf in MetLife was sticky. It was trash. It was just a bad turf field. Um, The NFL and everyone involved with making sure that it's a playable turf said that it passed all its uh, requirements or regulations, whatever, leading up to the game. But now the Niners have to play there again this week because they're playing the Giants. So they're pretty much like pleading with the NFL to do, and I guess, investigation. Uh, I don't know if that would really constitute an investigation. But look into the MetLife turf and make sure that it really is up to, to standard for an NFL game. But Jimmy G got hurt. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, high ankle sprain. Um... Raheem Mostert, running back uh, for the Niners, MCL sprain. And then last year, uh, defensive rookie of the year, Nick Bosa, tore his ACL. Uh, Actually, I don't know if that was confirmed yet, but it's feared that he tore his ACL. I'm pretty sure it actually happened, though. But a lot of ACL tears this week. Very, 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 very scary stuff. Um, So three... Important guys for the 49ers go down with injuries. Uh, most Bosa's out for the year. Mostert will most likely miss a handful of weeks with an MCL sprain. And Jimmy G with that high ankle sprain will most likely miss next week against the Giants. Um, Saquon Barkley also tore his ACL uh, after falling awkwardly on his arm a few handful of plays later. Um, he goes down, and he didn't even get hit low. He actually was stiff-arming a defender, and his knee, uh, his right leg, 
got caught. You see it when it hits the ground. It looks like it gets caught in the turf um, or in the grass, wherever they were playing. They were at Chicago, so it's grass with Soldier Field there. Um, but you see his leg, his cleat get caught, and his knee kind of buckle. He immediately goes down and grabs his knee, gets carted off. So he tore his ACL. Cortland Sutton, uh, he missed week one for the Broncos with a AC joint that he had uh, to deal with after I think he injured it in practice. He comes back in week two for the Broncos. He tears his ACL. Drew Locke, also quarterback for the Broncos, uh, he has a rotator cuff injury. So he's going to miss a couple weeks here probably, maybe three weeks, four weeks. Rotator cuffs are a little scary, so you want to make sure that uh, he comes back fully uh, fully healthy for the Broncos because he is their franchise quarterback of the future. But Sutton comes back after missing week one, tears his ACL, so he's done for the year. Bruce Irvin for the Seahawks also tore his ACL. Uh, we mentioned Drew Locke. Anthony Barr, partial torn pectoral muscle for the, uh, for the Vikings, so he's going to be out for uh, a while. Uh, Malik Hooker for the Colts. He'll miss the rest of the season. Uh, tore his Achilles. So Malik Hooker has had some some real bad luck with injuries. Um, Paris Campbell also for the Colts. Uh, he has an MCL and PCL injury. Uh, nothing torn, but he is going to miss a couple weeks. And then, of course, probably aside from uh, Saquon and, and Bosa, the third biggest injury the past week um, is Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey suffered a high ankle sprain. He went on the IR for, uh, he'll be back in like three weeks, I think it's going to be. But he is uh, probably, I mean, Bosa and Saquon are out for the year, but uh, the Panthers got lucky here. Um, McCaffrey obviously is, the, the, the Carolina Panthers offense is built around Christian McCaffrey. Now with McCaffrey out, it's going to be tough for them to kind of roll with the punches here and 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 salvage some wins. But I don't really know what the Panthers' plan is. You know, they're a very in-between team right now. Um, they have Christian McCaffrey, who they just paid handsomely uh, because he's the best running back in football. And... They have a team with some weapons on it. You know, they signed, they went out and signed Robbie Anderson, but it doesn't feel like they're, it It doesn't seem like they're competing for a Super Bowl, but also they're not trying to tank for a high draft pick either. So they're kind of like this in-between team right now. And don't get me wrong, like they Teddy Bridgewater, decent quarterback, I'm glad he's finally getting an opportunity in the NFL again because he kind of got a, a bad draw there when he was with the Vikings with all the injuries. His knee practically exploded. Um, so I, I'm happy that he has a starting job now, but I can't help but think the way Cam Newton looks with the Patriots, if the Panthers just kept him, like they'd be a much, much better team. <laughs> I, I it just It just doesn't look like they made the right move there. Um but those are all those injuries here. Thursday night was actually a shootout, which was 
kind of bizarre. Um, the Browns beat the Bengals 35-30. to The ba- uh, the Browns kind of saved their season here because if they lost to the Bengals, um, they would have had to, to push the, the red button. Um, Bears beat the Giants barely 17-13. to uh, Daniel Jones leads a, a drive all the way down the field, and the Giants have an opportunity at the end of the game. They were like at the 10-yard line. Uh, opportunity to win it with a touchdown. Couldn't get it done. Uh, so the Bears survive. The late Giants come back uh, or almost come back. Cowboys-Falcons. This was probably the most... This is one of the most embarrassing losses the Falcons have suffered. Um the Cowboys pretty much spotted them 20 points in the first half, and the Falcons scored 39 points and still could not beat the Cowboys. Uh, obviously, the big play that we have to talk about here is the onside kick that the, the the Cowboys recovered. What is happening there? You know, like you have your special teams unit. The Cowboys kicked the, the onside kick, and the Falcons have about five guys surrounding the football and letting it back up and bounce till it gets 10 yards, and then the Cowboys jump on it and recover it. It doesn't, it didn't look like, either, there's there's two options here. There's, there's two things here. One, the people on the onside kick recovering team didn't know the rules, and didn't know that, unlike a punt, you can jump on the ball before it gets 10 yards if you're the receiving team. You can do whatever you want to it. You can pick it up, kick it out of bounds, whatever, slap it out of bounds, jump on it. The only thing you can't do is not touch the football. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, the, or the second option is that uh, whoever the hell the special teams coach is for the Falcons told them to do that because he doesn't know the rules, which might even be worse. Um, If I'm the Falcons, the fact that Dan Quinn still has a job is mortifying. I mean, he survived so many, so, so many absolutely inexplicable losses for the Falcons, stretches of losses that they would go on where it's just completely ridiculous that he still has a job. After that game, there's just no way in hell he should have been allowed back on the team playing. Like, does anyone in the Falcons locker room respect this guy? Like, does any player still respect him? Like, how does he still have, does he still even have control of the locker room? And if so, how? Like, he just straight up should not be the head coach of the Falcons. He has cycled in assistant coach after assistant coach, and he he still just gets away with it. He's getting away with murder. Like, I, I just don't understand how he still has a job. He is a terrible head coach. He is bad. Really bad. And this is a game where Mike McCarthy... Did not have a good coaching outing for the Cowboys. And the Falcons just, they gift-wrapped. They gift-wrapped this win to the Cowboys. It was one of the most egregious regular season losses that they've had in quite some time. Um, 
that anyone has had in quite some time. It's just mistake after mistake, and they just... The Falcons are literally inventing new ways to lose. It's embarrassing. I'm not even... like It's laughable at this point. Like I'm not even a fan of the Falcons, but oh my God, it's embarrassing. It is so embarrassing to watch them lose these kind of games. And I have no, I have no stake in them, but like they just, they just cannot get it together. And it's just been downhill ever since that Super Bowl loss, man. It's just been straight downhill. The Packers beat up on the Lions, forty-two to twenty-one. Lions dropped to zero and two. Aaron Jones had himself a day: three touchdowns, two rushing, one receiving, one hundred sixty-eight yards on the ground, and sixty-eight receiving. So Aaron Jones having one of those games. He had a couple of those kind of games last year also. The Titans and Jaguars was, I mean, that game was uh, kind of nuts. That was a shootout. Um, Ryan Tannehill threw for four touchdowns. Gardner Minshew threw for 339 yards, three touchdowns also, but he had two interceptions. Um, and Goskowski, who in week one struggled uh to hit a field goal, to even extra point he missed, and ended up winning it for the Titans in Week 1, wins it for them in Week 2, 49-yard field goal, um, with a little less than two minutes left, but the Jaguars couldn't come down and tie it. So Titans approved to 2-0, Jaguars are 1-1, but a surprising game there, a surprisingly shootout kind of game. Uh, the Colts beat the Vikings 28-11, Kirk Cousins threw three interceptions um uh, I, I mean i don't know man that's that's like this it's disgusting the vikings scored 11 points uh yeah I, they're 0-2 now um they they're not they don't look good at all the vikings their, their defense doesn't look good kirk cousins doesn't look good uh they just flat out just don't look like a good football team right now the Bills beat the Dolphins. Josh Allen throwing a lot again, 35 times, 417 yards and four touchdowns for Josh Allen. So the Bills in the first two weeks of the season are riding their franchise QB, letting him grip it and rip it pretty much and throw it all over the field. Uh, he's been pretty successful through his first two games. Uh, they beat the Dolphins 31-28. to Niners beat the Jets 31 to 13. Uh we spoke about that game a little bit. Again, a lot of injuries for the 49ers. So yes, they win big against the Jets, but at what cost? You know, they lose Jimmy G, they lose Mostert, and they lose Bosa. They lose Bosa for the season, Mostert and Garoppolo. Who knows how long they'll be out. Um right now it kind of seems like with that high angle spring, Garoppolo might it he's going to miss probably next week. Uh, Mostert's going to be out probably uh, three weeks as well, something like that. Uh, the Rams beat the Eagles 37-19. to Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz has some issues. Um, he threw two interceptions, no touchdowns, 242 yards and two interceptions. Uh, Wentz just, yeah, he's, I mean, he's got issues, man. I, I don't know what, if you're an Eagles fan... You got to be just 
very, very, very frustrated with what's going on in the quarterback situation. Um, Carson Wentz seems like... I mean, this is a guy who... What was it? Three years ago now? Yeah, this is his fourth year in the league. Three years ago was a, was an MVP candidate. Was the MVP candidate until he got injured. So you kind of throw your hands up and you're like, you know, where is that guy? Where did he go? Because that's the team where he led to a great record and then Nick Foles took over and ended up leading you to a Super Bowl. So where where is Wentz? Where is that Carson Wentz that was an MVP candidate? Because he's he doesn't look anything like that player right now. Over the past couple years, he hasn't looked like that player. And I know he struggled with a few injuries, and you can point to either the coaching, the the starting lineup around him, the guys around him. He hasn't necessarily had, uh, you know, the best receivers. But if you're this franchise QB kind of guy. You got to be able to make it's not the worst starting group we in the NFL, right? Like he just hasn't looked very good over the past few games. Um, so I, I don't know where the where the line is and how quickly Philly is approaching it with Carson Wentz, but it might be time to start thinking about it. Steelers beat the Broncos 26-21, another uh, game where Drew Locke, he goes down, starting QB for the Broncos, he goes down with an injury. Jeff Driscoll comes in and uh, starts slinging the ball around. He threw for two touchdowns and an interception. Big Ben also two touchdowns and an interception. Uh, James Conner, after, I don't know what happened to him in week one, whether he got injured, he got benched for some reason, but he comes back. Um... This week, 16 carries, 106 yards, and a touchdown. So James Conner back for the Steelers. Uh, Tom Brady gets his first win in a Bucks uniform, 31-17. to They beat the Panthers. Panthers fall to 0-2. Again, with the Panthers, they're kind of in this limbo state because it looks like, you know, they went out and signed a couple guys, and it looks like they're trying to win, but Teddy Bridgewater, 367 yards, two interceptions. McCaffrey had two touchdowns, but he also left the game with that ankle injury. Uh, DJ Moore, 120 yards receiving. Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette had themselves a game also. Evans, 104 yards and a touchdown. Fournette, 103 yards rushing and two rushing touchdowns. Tom Brady, only 217 yards, one touchdown, one interception. So not a crazy impressive game for Brady. Um... But his supporting cast, definitely, uh, with Fournette, of course, after pretty much being non-existent in Week 1, comes back in Week 2 and uh, has himself a nice little game there as a Buccaneer. That Washington defense that looks pretty good against the Philadelphia Eagles in Week 1, they get dominated by Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Murray rushes for two touchdowns, throws for one more. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins with another eight catches, 68 yards, and a receiving touchdown. So that combo right now for Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, even Kenyon Drake, he had 20 rushes for 80-plus yards uh, on the ground. So that offense looking pretty lethal right now through the first two weeks of the season. Definitely have to watch out for Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, even though you can't even say they're a dark horse because I feel like everyone picked them as their dark horse, which at this point it's like, are they even a dark horse anymore if everyone's expecting them to play well? Kyler Murray, 
Very impressive. Him and DeAndre Hopkins, that hookup that they got now. Very impressive over the first two weeks. Um, the Chiefs beat the Chargers in overtime, 23-20. to Very interesting stuff coming in this game. Uh, Tyrod Taylor scratched from the, uh, from the start right before kickoff. Uh, so rookie QB Justin Herbert gets inserted into the starting lineup, and he plays pretty well. He threw 22-33, 311 yards, a touchdown, and interception against the defending champs. Uh, not a bad debut if you're Justin Herbert. Now, the Chiefs probably game plan for Tyrod Taylor, so Justin Herbert coming in, you don't really know his strength and weaknesses. A little bit of a surprise start, so definitely a benefit in that regard uh, for Justin Herbert. But still, the Chiefs, no laughing matter there. So a pretty good start, uh, first debut. For Justin Herbert. Unfortunately, they couldn't get it done. Chiefs win again 23 to 20. Now, with Tyrod Taylor, news came out this morning that the reason why he was scratched from the start is because uh, the Chargers team doctor accidentally punctured his lung while administering a painkiller uh, for his cracked ribs. So. I mean, I don't know what's going on there um, and how you really go about that. Um, George Atala quote tweeted Adam Scheffner breaking that news. Um, his bio just on Twitter is, uh, I work for the NFL Players, Assistant Executive Director of External Affairs at the NFLPA. So he's with the Players Association. Uh, and he quote tweeted Adam Scheffner saying, Our medical and legal team have been in touch with Tyrod and his agent since Sunday collecting facts. An investigation has been initiated. Not good. Uh, definitely not good if you're the Chargers. That kind of sucks. Um, but yeah, just a, a kind of a, a bizarre uh, incident there resulting in Tyrod Taylor uh, getting scratched from that start. But Justin Herbert, nonetheless, looked pretty good in his debut. Ravens-Texans, uh, the Ravens dominated 33-16. to That Texans offense looked kind of lowly, just disinterested. Um, Deshaun Watson, 270 yards, touchdown and interception. David Johnson led the Texans in rushing with only 34 yards on 11 carries. Uh, so just a whole lot of nothing happening for that Texans offense against the Ravens. Again, Ravens, no joke. Um, but still, the Texans, you, when when you see, if you're the Texans, when you see, or if you're Texans fans, I guess, uh, when you see what that offense is doing against the Ravens, and then you look what the Cardinals offense is doing with your former all-pro receiver, you gotta wonder... <laughs> what is going on? You, the guy you traded for or was part of the trade is leading your team with 34 yards rushing. And then the guy that you traded away, your all-pro receiver, is having career games. He had a career game in week one with 14 catches. And now he has another great game. I mean, listen, man, I, I was calling for Bill O'Brien's job last year. Just didn't seem like he was going to be the guy to take the Texans over that hump. And what do the Texans do? They go and give him more power. They make him the GM. You know? It's just, it's mind-boggling. Um, I think O'Brien and Dan Quinn should have been gone a long time ago. That's just me. 
Dan Quinn, certainly a long time ago. Bill O'Brien, probably after last year also. And they just give him more power. I just don't understand the logic and the reasoning for that. But the Texans are 0-2 now. Not what you expected from a team to who a lot probably were uh, favorites to win the AFC South. Now you got the Titans, of course, 2-0. I love the Tennessee Titans. Um, I love Tannehill. I love Mike Vrabel. I think he's an excellent head coach. I think he's he his persona and his, his way of coaching fits perfectly with that team. I'm kind of getting off track here, but Texans certainly not the start they expected. Uh, 0-2 on the year. Sunday night game was an absolute shootout, came down to the wire. Seahawks beat the Patriots 35-30, to final play of the game. You're on the goal line, you got Cam Newton, he already has a couple of rushing touchdowns. Gets the snap, rushes to his left, Seahawks blow it up, tackle him in the backfield, and that's how that game ends. So, you look at hindsight, you know, make sure they have run that play. I don't know, the Seahawks seemed very ready, they executed it perfectly and were ready for it. Um, everyone knew it was coming. However, they had not been able to stop Cam Newton on the goal line all game. He had two rushing touchdowns, as I said. And Cam Newton, I mentioned the Panthers. They would be a threat to win the AFC South or the NFC South if they still had Cam Newton. This Cam Newton, a healthy Cam Newton with Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, that's an offense. Newton threw 44 times, throwing it all over the place. All over the place. 397 yards, a touchdown, and he did have an interception. But he also had two rushing touchdowns, so his legs looked good too because he led the team in rushing also. 11 carries, 47 yards, and two touchdowns. Edelman had 179 yards receiving on eight catches. Uh, but The Patriots, Belichick's telling Cam, throw the football. Throw it all over the place. And Cam looks good. Cam Newton... Whether he was the most accurate at times or not, has one of the prettiest balls in the NFL. He he just throws a good ball. It's a tight spiral. It looks it always looks good coming out of his hand. He has a nice. I just like the way his his uh, his throwing motion. Everything the ball looks always tight on with not spiral. And I, I just like watching Cam Newton throw the football. Whether the results were always the best or not is a completely different story. We know he's had his accuracy problems in the past, um, but I think he's developed a lot as a passer. Of course, he is still built like a Brinks truck. Easily, he's, he's one of, if not always, the biggest dude on the field at all times, uh, give or take a couple people in the NFL, you know, but he is a mammoth. So whether he's... You know, he's not in his prime anymore, obviously, um, but he is certainly making a comeback. If these first two weeks of the NFL season are any indication, uh, he is making a comeback. And the Patriots are a real threat to still win that division, even though the Bills are 2-0 and Josh Allen looks great. Uh, the Patriots are for sure still a threat. They're not just a team that you can write off this year because Cam Newton is proving over the first two weeks here that he's he's back. He is back. And, you know, can he maintain this? Um, He ran for, what was it, like 14, 15 times. Last week in week one, he only ran 11 times. Uh, This week, a couple of those on the goal line. Um, Can he maintain that? On the goal line, 
I think Cam Newton is perfectly fine with just getting the ball and running on the goal line. I, I think that is something that the Patriots can do the entire year. And I'm not sure how many teams are going to be able to stop Cam Newton on the goal line. I'm just not, especially with that ever-present threat of him running it. Could easily just throw the ball, and I'm sure teams wouldn't expect that. Um, can he keep throwing it 40-plus times a game and also running it 10-plus times a game? I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. But he is for sure back as of right now. I, I cannot speak for the rest of the season, but over the first two weeks, he has looked excellent. And I'm happy for Cam Newton. I like Cam Newton. And I think the Panthers made a huge mistake. I said that before, way before, months ago. I said when uh, the Panthers let him go and then they signed Teddy Bridgewater. I thought, if you're going to go out and sign a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, just keep Cam Newton. Like, what's the harm? Sign him to... His his contract was up. His, I think his contract was up. Or he had one year left. Whatever. Just, like, just keep him for the year, man. I just I just don't understand. Um, anyway, the opposite end of the spectrum here, the, the Seahawks, the other team in this game, who actually won, uh, Russell Wilson is leading the charge for his MVP year. Um... He had a great year last year. Obviously, Lamar Jackson was the MVP. Uh, he was Jackson was setting records. But Russell Wilson, nine touchdowns already in the first two weeks of the season. He threw for four in week one against the Falcons. He threw for five touchdowns against the Patriots. He's fifth in yards this year, 610. First in touchdowns with nine. He only has one interception. Um, and that came... Uh, in this game against the Patriots. Uh, and he has a QBR of the year. It's 87.4, which is second in the NFL. Uh, but he is leading the charge for MVP. I mean, he he it looks like he wants it. And Pete Carroll is a guy who notoriously likes the run game. He always likes to establish the running game. And a lot of times, he would take the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands as he tries to establish the run game, where sometimes you just got to let your all-pro quarterback throw the football. And I just said all-pro, but part of me was like, I don't think Russell Wilson's ever made an all-pro team, which is scary. Um, that's how hard it is to be an all-pro quarterback in the NFL because Russell Wilson's never been an all-pro quarterback. But Pro Bowl quarterback, sure. Uh, Championship-winning quarterback, yes. So... Let I know it's a crazy thing to say, Pete Carroll, but, you know, let him throw the football. Just let him throw the football. Um, and he actually said that that wasn't part of their game plan. But because Russell Wilson was throwing the ball so well, they just decided to keep letting him throw the football. <laughs> like, what a, what a ridiculous thing to say, man. Um, but let Russ Cook is in full effect. Just let him let him sling the ball over the field. Who cares? The guy is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, top five easily, and the one of the prettiest Russell Wilson passes when he just he just touch pass lob it over everyone's head and it drops right into the receiver's basket like a gift. One of the prettiest uh, passes you can watch in the NFL. Uh, the last game, the Monday night game. Raiders-Saints, 
Uh, a surprising win for the Raiders. I I mean, with the, the how the Saints looked against the Buccaneers, um, I didn't think the Raiders were going to have a shot here, but uh, they win their home opener in Las Vegas, 34-24. to So the Raiders are 2-0, Saints drop to 1-1. Uh, Drew Brees, 26 for 38, 312 yards, touchdown and an interception. But his age definitely showed a bit in this game. Um, you're not, if you're the Saints, you can't be super pleased with how it went. Uh, but I think a lot of people have, have focused on Drew Brees this past, you know, this past couple days, focused on Drew Brees, you know, how much does he have left in the tank? Uh, is his arm starting to be a negative at this age for the Saints. Uh, can they overcome that? Blah, blah, blah. I think Drew Brees is Drew Brees, right? First ballot Hall of Famer, NFL champion. The guy is going to be fine. Let Drew Brees be Drew Brees. Uh, I think the more alarming question here is how good is this Saints defense really? Because they got absolutely smoked in the red zone by the Raiders. Uh, last week, in week one, the Bucks scored every time they were in the red zone. I think the Bucks scored a touchdown every time they were in the red zone. So the red zone defense for the Saints, and I think just the defense in general, very, very concerning. Um, you had them, you had the Raiders at the end of the game. Uh, a little more than two minutes left. Third and long. Derek Carr throws a deep ball to Ruggs. And you have Janoris Jenkins pass interference on Ruggs when the ball is like 10 yards over his head. And it wasn't even like he held him or anything like that. He just hooked his arm because I guess he got nervous that the ball was going to fall right into Ruggs' arms. But he hooks his arm, doesn't get his head around, and... pass interference, and the game's over. That's how the game ends. Um, So if you're the Saints, that's that's more troubling to me than anything having to do with Drew Brees. And Michael Thomas is out, yes. That is Drew Brees' safety net. They have great chemistry on the field. Um, He is the guy that if no one's open, he could just look, Michael Thomas's way and throw the ball to him and he'll catch it. That's the kind of rela- uh, relationship they have on the field. Also, Alvin Kamara, absolute beast on Monday night. Uh, 79 yards on the ground, but two rushing touchdowns. He also had 95 yards receiving on nine catches. So Kamara and Michael Thomas are the guys on offense for the Saints. Uh, that's no secret to anybody. I don't think Drew Brees is the problem. I think the defense definitely needs to... They need to take a good look at themselves leading up to their next game and uh, see what the problems are because they got torched by by the Raiders. I mean, I forget how much time was left in the game. What, what's his name? Jalen Richard, Richard, whatever, the backup running back to Josh Jacobs on the Raiders. Um, it's third and long. They hand the ball off, and he breaks free for like a 20-yard touchdown run. No one on the Saints even touches him. Like, that is cause for concern there. That, late in the game, you're trying to limit the Raiders to uh, a field goal, and they end up scoring a touchdown. It's just something that they can't, you can't have if you're trying to win your division as the Saints. Um, So I think that defense, 
definitely needs to kind of get a a little bit of a look at here and see what went wrong against Oakland. All right, real quick, just some uh, baseball and basketball news. Um, and we're gonna save. We're not gonna. We're not gonna go over preview the next week. We just we'll stay it for dissection of each week instead of previewing. Previewing is kind of boring. Uh, but the Yankees, before they lost to the Blue Jays the other night, they had they went on a ten game winning streak. So there's something I need to discuss here. Uh, over the past like month or two, I have been saying things, sports takes, and the opposites happen. And these aren't bad sports takes, right? For example, with the Yankees, a couple weeks ago, I was shitting on them. You know, they were terrible. They lost three out of four to the Orioles. They lost to they got blown out by the Blue Jays, allowing ten runs in an inning. They were playing really bad baseball, and now they go on a ten game winning streak. Things like that have been happening, and I don't know what it is, but I'm getting kind of sick of it makes me look a little stupid, honestly, uh, but I'm going to need that to stop happening, <laughs> uh, but I definitely had to acknowledge that on here, uh, if you've been keeping up, you you can probably point to a couple other instances where I've said something and the opposite has happened, however, yeah, the Yankees, they clinched a playoff spot, um, so we're going to be keeping an eye out on where they finish in the playoff race, uh, I think right now, I'm not sure if they can, they could probably catch Tampa, but it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. They're three and a half games uh, behind Tampa Bay right now, so it's it's going to be tough to, to catch them. Right now, they're looking like they're going to lock up that, that second wild card spot in the, or that second place spot in the AL East. Um, right now in the American League, the Rays, the White Sox, the Athletics, the Twins, the Yankees, and the Indians have all clinched playoff spots, though they're the top six teams, so the last two spots will go to wildcard teams, and as of right now, it's looking like it's going to be Toronto and Houston. So the Yankees are looking like they're going to have the five seed, which means they would play, <laughs> they would play Minnesota in the wildcard round, which... Uh, last year, I was a, that Minnesota team. They set, you know, they broke the Yankees' all-time home run records. They had a great lineup. They won the division, uh, and then the Yankees swept them. So that is, I was worried last year, and then the Yankees swept them. So now this year, it's like, am I going to have my guard down, and then we lose, and then I'm going to be upset? I think I'm just going to always have my guard up with when it comes to the Twins because. The Yankees have been their father for so long in the playoffs. Um, it's it's a bit alarming because the shoe's going to drop one of these days and the Twins are going to embarrass the Yankees in the playoffs and I'm not going to be happy about it. So I just hope it isn't this year if they do end up playing each other. Chicago's in front of Minnesota right now, but only by half a game. So there's a good chance Minnesota could still win the AL Central and then the Yankees get stuck playing the White Sox, which I'm not entirely sure I want the Yankees playing the White Sox in the first round either. The White Sox, are ha they are a good team with a lot of young, explosive talent and they have good pitching. They have really good pitching. So I don't know, man. 
I don't know what's going to happen with that, but just keep an eye out on it. Uh, as for the National League, uh, the Dodgers, the Padres, Atlanta, and Chicago all round out the top of the list there. Um, again, I don't think San, San Diego record-wise is second, but I don't think they end up actually playing as the two seed because they are second in the division, technically, so other division winners uh, like the Cubs and Braves would get those higher seeds. Uh, they're the only ones who locked up playoff spots. Again, Dodgers, Padres, Braves, and the Cubs. Other teams still in it. St. Louis, Miami, Cincinnati, Milwaukee. The Mets are on the out, out, outskirts. Uh, but they're still within sniffing distance of that eighth seed. We are coming down to the wire for the MLB. Only five games left. Five games left in the MLB season. Uh, the Yankees have the Blue Jays tonight, tomorrow, and then the final series against the Marlins Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The season ends for them on the 27th. Crazy stuff. That baseball's already over. Uh, it's kind of sad, but is what it is. Uh, as for the M uh, the NBA playoffs, um, kind of weird scheduling, I guess because they wanted the Lakers and Nuggets to catch up a bit. Um, but the Heat and Celtics have not played since Saturday. They are playing tonight, Wednesday night. Um, game four, Heat up 2-1. So the Celtics uh, avoided going down 3-0 to Jimmy Butler in the Heat. Much like last night, now both series are kind of evened up, so we're probably going to go back and forth from now on. Uh, because last night, the Nuggets and Lakers played, and the Nuggets won Game 3, a pivotal Game 3 for them. Uh, and they won pretty convincingly. Jamal Murray, once again, I mean, the guy is, late-game scenarios, he's unconscious. He is unconscious. He is developing into one of the better clutch players in the league. Nikola Jocic had a great game. Uh, even though LeBron, I think LeBron had a 30-point triple-double, so they lost by like 10, which is crazy. Um, but all the shots were falling for the Nuggets in Game 3. They were all falling. I mean, Jokic hit this crazy, like, double pirouette, turnaround, fadeaway, jumper, deep two. Uh, all the shots were dropping for the Nuggets. So they win a pivotal game three. So now both series are 2-1. Miami leads Boston 2-1, and LA leads Denver 2-1. Again, game four tonight for the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics. But that'll do it for this episode of From My Point of View. Thank you all for listening. Have a great weekend. And uh, we're almost in October, actually. Next episode will be the last day of September. So enjoy your weekend. Uh, and I will talk to you all next Wednesday.